Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you this morning for your goodness in our hearts. Thank you, O oh God, for being in a place where we can hear your word, we can gather with your people, we can celebrate and worship your goodness in our lives. Thank you for the signs and the wonders and the miracles that you perform in our lives on a daily basis. Thank you that your mercy and grace are with us. And they shall be with us all the days of our life, O oh God. We pray your blessing upon the word. We pray that it would be effectual. That it would do that which you send it for, O oh God. That we might have ears to listen and a heart to receive your instruction. That we might grow, O oh Lord, in the direction that you desire. Give us an obedient heart, O oh God. Give us a desire to listen to follow, to be part of your family in heaven. We give you thanks, Lord, for this day that you have made for us to rejoice and be glad. And we know that the word of God is a good seed planted in good hearts that will give forth good fruit. Father, we pray, O oh God, that you do and have your way in our lives this morning. We glorify you. We magnify. We celebrate and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Oh, you guys want me to announce... That Gary and Amanda are engaged. I don't consider that a big deal. They've been working on it for so long. I thank God for their lives. Gary, where are you? Come here, Gary. Gary did the one knee shuffle this uh, week. He had been practicing for years. This whole thing about woo-woo. Uh, Jules was present. Jules almost fainted. Jules thought it was going to be one of his daughters. No, it wasn't. He was a direct hit. Come here, Gary. You want to bring Amanda up here? Come on. How many know? <laughs> yes. I want you to get all the single guys up so they can practice. That's right. Everybody gets up and get on the knee. <laughs> and for the women, please answer quick. <laughs> um, I thank you guys and I thank God for what he's done and, and this whole thing. And... We focus so much on the finished product, and what God has really been teaching me through this whole thing is that we should focus more on the process yes, and what he's doing. And, and I see us, if you're cooking something or you're making something, if you focus on the finished product, you don't do the process, you finish, but it's not going to be like it should be. So if you put the ingredients and you do what you have to do, and that process is come out good. Yes, sir. And... The main thing, I mean, I learned so much and through this whole process because it's been so many things at the same time. But I thank God, the pastor, you've been my dad. And you've been a dad, the dad that I never had and the dad that I needed it and I wanted it. And many times, you know, um, his advice was like, I didn't understand. And, you know, you're like, you don't make sense of what you're saying. Um, but then you go home, you know. And, and in your heart, one of the things that we've been teaching here is the word that you just brought out right now, 
which is to honor the men of God. And whether it makes sense or not, you decide to honor that. And if you have a personal relationship with God, you learn why. And then that's where it comes. His advice to you to learn what is God is doing. And God show you what he's building in you. And that's what really matters. Because now, if she would have married the knucklehead that I was, I was not going to be a blessing to her. And now I realize the big responsibility that you have as a husband. And you've been trained for that. And now it's like, it's not that you're like, oh, I'm not going to do this or whatever. But now you know that you have to do what you was trained. And you feel confident that the training that they give was good. And you know that you can make it because you've been teaching well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So the, the advice that I have for the single guys, not so much to practice that, but to practice, to really obey and have a relationship with Christ and understand what the man of God is saying to your life. I'm super thankful, Pastor. You don't know how thankful I really am that you're my dad. Awesome. I probably don't say I'm as much or I'm sure, but you don't know how, how thankful I am to God for that. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So... With that being said. <laughs> Hi. Um, well, it was a complete miracle he was able to surprise me because I am FBI agent, always looking at his pockets. I'm an FBI So, yeah, I was like, where did you have the ring the whole time? He's like, in my sock, of course. And I was like, of course you did. So um, I was completely surprised, but more than me being surprised, I kept looking at Jules, and I was like, the psychiatrist doesn't even know what to do. What am I going to do? That's why it took long to answer. So um, I finally said yes, and, and after I thought about the process, I was like, he, he must have been on his knee for at least a minute and a half, because I just kept staring at him like, is this really happening? So, um, but, you know, thinking about this whole process that has happened in the, in the last week, just thinking about um, how he proposed and everything, I started thinking three, three Valentines ago, he gave me a Valentine's gift, and it was a book called um, The Power of a, a, a Praying Woman. And when he gave me that, he told me that my biggest responsibility in life would be praying for him. So I really took that to heart, and I, and I made it a commitment with the Lord to, to pray for him every day, and not just you know a ritual prayer, but see areas in his life that he needed strength or or that I saw that the Lord showed to me that, you know, the Lord should work in his life and stuff. And, and it was maybe a hard, it's been a hard process for him. But in that time, the only thing I kept repeating daily, it was, Lord, have a divine appointment in his life so he can, so you, he can get to where you want him. And the way that we got to where we are engaged now is because there was a divine appointment and, and the Lord gave him enough provision so he could um, provide for a family. And I really got to see that, that, that what he asked me three years ago to pray for him, I saw the fruit of it when, when he got this new job and, and what led him to the provision to um, be able to take this next step. So it's really affirmed in my life that the biggest thing for me is going to be praying for him. And the Bible says that he's going to be known at the gates because of what I do. So I have a huge responsibility, but um, in his wisdom, he knew even from the beginning how to guide me, you know, making prayer the most um, important thing in our relationship. So I thank you for asking me to be your bride. <laughs> Good job. Awesome, awesome. Congratulations. I think that happened on a Tuesday, right?
It was Sunday? Anyway, so the following day was Wednesday, the following time we met, and I didn't announce it on Wednesday, and so I saved it here. I almost missed on Sunday, too. Um, really powerful. The whole restaurant started chanting, kiss her, kiss her, kiss her. Everybody wanted to see the big smooch, but they have purpose in the heart that the first time they will kiss will be uh, the day they get married. So really powerful. I thank God for their example. And, and um, in, in a world where there is no boundaries and everybody is, is, is usurping all sorts of, there is no markers. You know, in the old days, the father used to put the markers. They said, don't remove the father's boundaries in the life of an orphan. Because the father puts a limit and it's for safety. Uh, when I got saved at the age of 16, I was a super rebel. And the Lord says, every time your dad speaks to you, it's safety. It's something that comes to protect you, to bless you, to provide for you. And so I started respecting my dad at that age. But it's super important in that regards that in a day, in an age where there are no boundaries and everybody's challenged just to go beyond, um, there was a sheriff that was talking about uh, growing up in a school where everybody, when he was going to school, everybody owned a rifle and the rifle was inside the pickup truck. But the kids had fathers at home that had taught them that you don't bring a rifle to school. That's a, that's a boundary. And so in an age where there are no more boundaries and there are no more p young people listening to uh, the instruction of safety, then, then there's havoc and there's chaos. So I, th I thank God for the life of Gary who comes from never having a father. Never, never his father was not a part of his life his entire life. He's an orphan. Um, and all of a sudden he's raised by a single mom and um, he comes to church and starts having a heart to listen to the Father's instruction, to listen to the Father's heart. And so he's a champion, and God has given him the best of the best. Amanda has been a faithful daughter, and so uh, we thank God for both of their lives. Uh, as we get into the Word of God now, um, one of the concepts that we're talking about this morning is the concept of church. And a lot of people don't have church. And again, if your parents weren't taking you to church as a young boy, and, and my parents took me, um, to participate somewhat, but I never understood the concept of church, even though I was an altar boy as a young man in a Catholic private school. Um, and, and all we, we took advantage in that place to do, you know, things that, that were not, we're, we're bored and we're making fun of everything that was going on. But at, at some point, I, I was invited by uh, my cousin's family, uh, a little girl cousin, her name is Hilda. She was nine years old, and she pointed at me, and she said like this, she said, Joaquin, you're going to hell. And it scared the heck out of me. I've never seen a little girl scare a, a, a bigger guy than that day that she pointed at me and my nose and she says, you're going to hell. And I didn't understand what she was saying. Now, 34 years later, I, I not only know what church is about, but I, I try to um, describe it to people so that they would make it an important part of their gathering. It's a place that God has called his people to gather. If you look around, you'll see people that that are interested in hearing the word of God and doing it. They're not people that are rebelling. Um, there's a guy that will, from time to time, come on the line there, and he'll see us on live stream, and he'll criticize what he sees on our cameras and our things. And I'm like, man, that must be a very boring life to go look at something you don't like and criticize it. This is not this place. Church is not a place where you come to criticize. Church is a place where you come with a willing heart and ears to hear the word of God that's going to prosper you. So this was the attitude in Psalm 122, verse 1. This was the attitude of those people that understood the gathering place of God. 
Um, it, it's not an, a common ground. Uh, I was glad. The, the emotion of happiness when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. That, that's the emotion that accompanies those people that have a heart for God. There's a sense of rejoicing. Uh, almost like when you go to a sporting event, when you go see the Dolphins or you see the Miami Heat, they have something called tailgating that people will sit outside for an hour or two and they'll throw the football and they'll barbecue and they're like, Woo, we're going to go see a game. I can't wait till I see some of you tailgating the house of God. You get here an hour or two early, you light the barbecue, you're sitting there having cafecito, you're throwing the football, and the people are like, what is this place that people are, they're, they're waiting to go into the house of the Lord. They're waiting to go into this place that God has built for his people. If you see the descriptions of what he was looking forward to see, you'll see verse 2. He says, all the people that were standing here with the exterior walls to Jerusalem. That's, that's where the gathering place was in the city of God. Jerusalem, Jeru means city and Salem peace. The city of peace is a place that, that you'll, you'll see um, wherever there is order, there is peace. Wherever there's not order, there's no peace. There's anxiety. And I grew up in my, uh, my father's house growing up was a place where we didn't hear the word of God. We didn't know the word of God. So there was no peace in our home. It was constantly a violent place, a, a place of threats, a place of, of destruction. This is over. We're getting divorced. We're getting separated. I don't like you. Uh, all this was taking place. But in the house of God, you'll see there's a city of peace. Verse 3 says, this city is a city that has been restored and it's a place of order. It's a place of harmony. The, the, the two things that describe the house of God is a place where you're receiving order. You see these young men like Gary that got here uh, years ago was totally not in a home where there was any instruction. There was no father. There was no Bible. There was no church. And so he had become uh, a, a gangster. He had become a drug a dealer. He had become a, a, a violent person full of rage, full of anger, full of bitterness. Last night somebody came up to me and they said, what is the answer to what happened in Parkland this week? What is the answer? Who has the answer? And last night when they were telling me, Pastor, what's the answer? I said, he's standing right next to you. His name is Gary. <laughs> Gary, tell the people what changed your life so you didn't do something worse than this guy. And he said, Jesus. Jesus is the answer that transformed his life not many years ago when he came here for the first time. And, and so he is walking in, uh, in an orderly fashion, in a harmony uh, it says, verse 4, this is where the tribes come, the families come, those that belong to Israel to say thank you to the name of the Lord. I, I know a lot of people come to church to ask God for things, but you should really put your asking behind everything God has already given you. Uh, you know, you have legs that you walk on and feet and you have hands and you have eyes and you have ears. It's not until we start losing what God has given us that we start saying, wait a second. I better start giving thanks to God for what I have because he might just take it away. When I don't give, I don't have an attitude of thanksgiving. Where do the tribes go up to, the families of the Lord, to hear the testimony of Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord? One of the reasons I'm standing up here before you is I give thanks to God that he restored my mom and dad's relationship. 
I, I sit there, I see them in the back there, and they sit down together, and they hold hands, and, they, and, and you know what? That wasn't the case many years ago. Many years ago, I didn't know when was the last time they would ever speak again, and then a house divided won't prosper. And so I still, to this day, 34 years later, I can give thanks to the Lord that he saved our family. He continues on to say in verse 5, this is the place where there are kings and there are thrones. These, these two things, the thrones are set there for judgment. We, we've learned that in the house of God is a place that people stay away from because it's a place where God is going to draw the lines. God's going to call you out of order. God's going to call you. You know what's out of order is a baseball player that stands at the plate and he swings and the ball goes foul. Nothing happens. I, I don't want to be a foul ball in life. I don't want my life to not count. I don't want to destroy my marriage and my family and my kids. I want to hit the grand slam. I want to hit it over the fence. And so in a place where there are judgments, uh, this translation I have here says, here are where the kings come and the judges sit before the people. The thrones are for judgment. The thrones are for kings, uh, kings and judges. I often tell people, who do you have in your life that's telling you you're out of order? And so the people will say, nobody. And why not? Because I don't like people to tell me I'm out of order. I don't like people to tell me not to have sex with my girlfriend. I don't like people to tell me I'm supposed to get somewhere early, I'm supposed to serve, I'm supposed to love, I'm supposed to give. I don't want to be anywhere where people are telling me what to do. And that's what's going on outside of the city of God. In the city of God, how, do you guys know what it's called in eternity? It's called heaven. You're not going to heaven to do what you want. The last time somebody tried to do what they wanted in heaven, he got kicked out with a third of his party. The devil and all of his angels got kicked out of heaven. They will live in eternity in a place of torture. They will live in hell. A lot of people say, I'm going to be like the ostrich. I'll stick my head in the ground to not listen to these words. They have a ferocious lion about to swallow them. And they're like, if I stick my head in the ground and I, don't, I think it's not there, it's a, uh, what's it say? It's a mind, mind over matter. If I don't mind it, don't matter. You know, I'm not going to pretend that that's real because if I pretend that's real, then I'm out of place. I'm, I'm not living like I'm supposed to. In the city of God, there are thrones of judgment and there are thrones of kings. You, you, you cater. Um, one day I came into, I'm an attorney, so I came into the judge, into the courthouse, and I was in a hurry, so I didn't bring my tie. And I was like going to do something real quick, and I was going to go, and we we're going to go to the beach with my family. And when I came to the tribunal before the judge, he says, what are you doing? I said, I got to take care of something real quick. Yeah, but you don't have a tie on. Yeah, but it's just real quick. I'm just like, and so, and he goes, real quick into jail because you're contempt of court. You're disrespecting my presence. You don't walk into the courtroom before the judge without a tie if you're an attorney. You're not dressing like the way you should be dressed. So a lot of people out there, they, they feel they could do whatever they want, however they want, whenever they want. When they get to heaven, they're going to be surprised because there will be a king sitting there. And it says, what are you doing? Well, I just thought I'd be here with my friends. You know, spring of life, world changers, go, 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 go. It's like, no, you're out of order. You're not a person that likes judgment. You don't like judges. You don't like people telling you what to do, when to do it, how to do it. And so that's, that's heaven. Heaven is a place where there's a king. He's the king of glory. His name is Jesus. And there's judges that sit upon the thrones, and they actually judge matters 
that are going on. So this is what he was saying that he was joyful. I was glad when they told me I'm going to this place where the families are coming, where, the, where, where God has set things in order, where there's judgments, there's thrones. Verse 5, he says, here are the kings. Okay, verse 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So if you're, you're praying that this atmosphere might triumph, a place of order, a place of boundaries, a place of blessing, a place of peace, of harmony. He says, if you pray for the prosperity of Jerusalem, all those who love you will prosper. And that's the single most incredible thing that's happened in our family in 34 years. In fact, I'll go and tell you, it's been 34 years and I'm still listening to things that have to be more precisely put in order in my life. In the way that I manage. Because God wants to give us so many blessings... This morning I was sitting there before my calendar. I have so many places I have to set in order to go this year. That they're inviting us to go and preach. In Grand Cayman, in Poland, in Antigua, uh, in Richmond. They're, they're inviting us to go to, um, to India. They, they're just, it's just approaching all manner. And so this requires incredible order in, for our prosperity. It continues on to say, verse 7, may there be peace inside your walls and safety, prosperity in your palace. One of the names for the house of God is called sanctuary. Uh, sanctuary is a place where you would run and you would be safe. How many know that the people that run to the house of the Lord, the devils can't touch them? The demons cannot touch them. There cannot be any, in fact, I'll tell you right now that the demons are waiting for you right outside this door in the parking lot. As soon as you leave, they're going to jump on your back and they're going to want to maneuver everything. But while you're in here, they can't touch you. This is a refuge. It's a sanctuary. It's a safe place. It's a place where you're kept in the presence of God. He continues on to say like this. He says, verse 8, for the sake of my relatives... And my companions, I will now say, peace be within you. There's, there's I, I don't know about you, but I, I can't talk to anybody without telling them about this place. A place of safety, a place of protection. Um, I, my, Carlos, my best friend, was in Uber. He, he had to fly out of the country this morning. And in the Uber, the guy he's going to the airport, it takes a 50-minute ride to get to the airport. The guy that's driving the Uber is so chaotically crazy and out of control that Carlos begins to tell him, man, you need to come to my church. You need to get to know my pastor. You need to come to this place. And he describes the house of God as a place of peace, security, safety, a refuge. And so before he flies, he says, Joaquin, get his phone number because I got his cell phone. His name is Juan, and he needs what we have. And that's powerful that you would know of a place where other families can be safe. You know of a place where other men will be transformed. How many Garys are out there that don't have a family? One of the things that I saw on the news this week with this man, Nick Cruz, Nicholas Cruz, I said, man, it would have been awesome that he would have come to Spring of Life. It would have been awesome that he would have grown up in the youth group in our church. He would be thinking differently. He would be blessing all those people that ended up an early life, a premature life. Because there was a place where he could have invited his friends. He could have, he could have grabbed a hold. That's why it says it's criminal for people to make this place a stumbling block. Because this is the hope of all the world, the house of God, the city of God. 
He says like this, verse 9, For the sake of, because of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your good. If we did not have this place as a place where we can bless people, and that's, I don't, I don't know of another place that God has created where there's order, where there's peace, where there's joy, where there's prosperity, where God desires to bless everybody. I, I don't know the one person who has come in this place that has not had his socks thoroughly blessed off. Just the open heavens. Look what it says in Psalm 133, verse 1. He says, behold how good and blessed it is for there to be a place of gathering. Look how good and pleasurable. Look how positive it is that people come together to dwell together in unity. How many people, you sit here and see Gary and Amanda, two potential orphans. Potential orphans. Amanda, she says, I've never known my dad. I've had a stepfather. He's been a good stepfather. I've had my mom. She's been there for me in every stage, but I don't have my dad. So, so an orphan by the fact of not having a dad, Amanda, and Gary also not having a dad, he sits there and says, in the place that God has provided, the house of God, I have a father. I have a man who's telling me how to put my life in order, how to set boundaries, how to discipline, how to wait, how to size up for prosperity. Just, and when I see young people like this, I said, keep them in your, keep them in the, your view. Keep them in your panoramic view so you can see how God prospers them. And so in a place where it could be confusion, darkness, chaos, where there's no order, there's prosperity, there's peace, there's harmony. God is building their lives. They're listening to God's instruction. It wasn't fun telling Gary it's not time yet. How many have ever seen somebody that's hungry, 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 and they come in and say, I'm here to have lunch. You're like, it's not ready. What do you mean it's not ready? I'm ready. You're not ready. Wait on God. The Bible says those who wait upon the Lord shall mount up on eagles' wings. They're going to fly and soar the highest high. If you're doing it God's way, if you're listening to God's voice, if you're in the word of God, we would not be even understanding these things unless we stick our face and our noses into the Bible. We wouldn't understand that there's a place of peace. There's a place of order. There's a place of joy. And you said when you reject all that, you're telling every demon in hell, come upon me. You're telling them, I'm a rebel. I love destruction. I love havoc. I love chaos. I love confusion. I love darkness. I love hatred. I love bitterness. I love resentment. You're inviting all. This is what it says in James chapter 3, verse 16. Not good and pleasant, but every evil spirit. When you're selfish, you'll find disorder and every evil practice. You can't have both ways. You can't say, I don't like the light, and say, I want darkness, or I don't want darkness. Either you like the light and love the light and want the light to come upon your life, or you embrace darkness and confusion and chaos and, and all sorts of, you, you don't even understand the depth of that darkness. Wherever there is a self-seeking, you'll find disorder. Things, there are no order. There's, there's, no, there's no time. I thank God that God has placed us to gather, and this is where he says, you shall gather on the Lord's day. This is the Lord's day. And a lot of people say, well, I'm going to the beach. Or I'm going to the park. 
I'm going to go here. I'm going to go to the mall. No, this is the Lord's day. Go to the Lord's house. Listen to the Lord's word and be blessed in thanksgiving and celebration. Psalm 133, verse 1, it says, Blessed are those who gather together in unity. Blessed are those who come to the house of the Lord. Because the Bible says like this in verse 2, It's good and pleasant to be together with God's people. It's like precious oil that comes upon your head. It comes from heaven, running down towards the beard, all the way to the collar, to the bottom of the robe. Verse 3, it is there. For there the Lord commands his blessing. There is a place that God commands his blessing. He had told his people, when you leave Egypt, I want to meet you at the top of the mountain. They said no. He says, I'm going to build a tent where I will gather in the, in the midst of the tribes. He says, in the church, I'm going to gather together two or three who are gathered in my name. Whatever they pray for shall come to pass. The house of God. The gathering of God's people. It's a good place to be in the house of God this morning. It's a good place to hear what we're hearing. Every time they gathered, there would be instructions on how God would bless them and prosper them. He, here's what he says about the place where he commands us to abide. Exodus 23, 20. I am going to send a messenger before you. And he will have words to protect you as you travel. To bring you, to lead you to a place I have prepared. This thing that's going on with Gary and Amanda is something God is preparing. Something he's putting together. So they need to be attentive to be listening as he leads them. Verse 21, he says, pay attention to this messenger. Have deference to listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. Because rebellion is not what connects him since my name is in him. These guys that are partnering with God. Uh, if, if ever somebody who represents God is not happy with you, it's not a good thing. I had one man who says, well, you know something, I don't understand you. I said, look, I don't work for Coca-Cola. I don't work for IBM. I don't work for Apple Computer. I represent the kingdom of God. I, I, I live and I'm employed and this is my function to care about what God cares about. I cry for what God cries about. I'm concerned. I celebrate what God celebrates. Verse 22, he says like this. He says, but if you obey him and do everything I command, I will fight against all those who oppose you. Imagine God fighting your battles. That's a good thing. Let's stand this morning and thank God that we're in the house of God. We're together with the people of God. We're here in the Lord's day listening to the Lord's word. I often tell people, don't get mad at me. I'm just a messenger. Don't be upset at me. I just represent what God says. I hope you're not upset at God. I hope you have a heart for God. I hope nobody confuses you about what the house of God is all about. There was everything was done in order in the house of God. In Numbers chapter 10 verse 3, he says, When you hear the trumpet sound twice, I want all of you guys to gather. This is an orderly fashion. When both are sounded, talking about both of the trumpets, the whole community is to come together at the entrance of my tent, of my gathering. God had something to say to everybody. And then verse 4 says, but if you only hear it sound one time, when the trumpet sounds one time, that's when the leaders, the head of every family is to assemble. And God is a God of order. And, and this is one of the hardest things I had to learn when I came to the house of God. 
I don't know if you remember the first day you came to the house of God. I freaked out the first day I came. I came from chaos. I came from disorder. I came from incredible uh, twistedness. And here I'm listening to a God who wants to put my life in order. And he put my marriage in order. He put my children in order. My children could serve your children because they're not selfish. Imagine telling these young men on Friday nights that they're to go and serve these young people. You know why they do that? Because they've learned that the kingdom of God is not about being selfish. It's about others. And when they show up on Friday to serve your children, they're not thinking about their schedules and their movies and their friends. In the house of God, there's harmony, there's order, there's blessing, there's prosperity. I just, I rejoice in the time to come because all these young people that were up on stage listening to the big, big house with lots of, lots of room, a big, big table with lots of, lots of food, a big backyard. This is, this is inclusive. If you want to be about the devil, if you want to be like the devil, he only thinks about himself. And God prepared a special place for him where all the people that think like that will end up in that place. I was scared to my bones when my cousin told me I was going there. I didn't want to go there. Let's bow our heads now and pray to the Lord. Father, thank you for what we're hearing this morning out of your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet that we not stumble, that we not go astray. You desire nobody to perish. You're calling everybody to come to be part of your gathering, to be expressing what is offered in the land of Beulah, the gathering place of your people. We pray that you would give us your heart, that it might fall in line with your instructions. You promised in the new covenant to remove rebellion far, as far as the east is from the west. As far, Father God, as the heavens are above the heavens, O God. Where you sit, your thoughts are different than our thoughts. So we want your thoughts. We want your ways. We want peace. We want joy. We want prosperity. We want blessing. We want a place that we can tell others to come and to experience your goodness. We pray, O oh God, that you prosper that dwelling place in our hearts. I pray, Father God, that we would be willing to be at that place you prepared for us at each crossroads of our life. In John 14, you said these words, I go to prepare a place for you so where I am, there you may be. In my Father's house, there are many, many places of gathering. Lord, we want to be there. We pray, Father God, for what happened in Parkland this week, that you have mercy on those families, that you console them with your Holy Spirit. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of rage, Lord. Father, we pray that Florida would not blame the FBI or the government or guns or the NRA, Lord, that they would go back to the house of God, that they would rejoice with those who said, let us go to the house of God, to a place where there are boundaries, there is peace, there is joy, a place we can take our family and friends so that they might prosper. We give you thanks, Lord, for your Holy Spirit this morning. And we pray that we would have a heart for the Lord's day, for the Lord's house, for the Lord's people, for the Lord's word, so that our lives might prosper. In Jesus' name we pray, and all those in the house of God say amen, amen, amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. God bless you.